Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. To learn more about Anchor Church, go to www.anchorchurch.life. Today's message, for the love of money. Today is for the love of money. I'm gonna see if you guys can fill in the blanks with me. We've got First Timothy to pull up on there. Uh, but for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. That's 1 Timothy 6.10. It's a phrase that maybe you're familiar with. For the love of money is the root of all evil. But you know what? I can tell you right now that we're going to talk about money today. And that is one of the most difficult things for a pastor is to talk about money. But I want to talk about a few different things. The first thing is, is, is money itself. Possessions possessions. It doesn't take long to realize that we love possessions, right? I love possessions. I am nostalgic at heart, so there are things where I'm like, my daughter just even last night gave me this Winnie the Pooh drawing, uh, coloring, uh, and, um, and it ripped, and she was very you know, emotional about it ripping, and I told her that I'd tape it, and, and within 15 minutes, I actually crumbled it up and threw it away because I am so desperately trying not to hang on to everything, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and she forgot about it. And then about 20 minutes later, she handed me the tape. And I'm like, oh, we're going to do that later. Don't worry about that. But, but I am working so desperately hard on not hanging on to my possessions. I am in the middle of cleaning my garage. If you know me and you've been coming to Anchor Church for any Sunday of the last six months, I have probably talked about the state of my garage about 75% of the time that I've been up here. And I will tell you that my garage is you know, about 20% cleaner than it was before. But we moved six months ago. We moved probably three, months, I mean, three weeks before we launched Anchor Church. And, uh, and there's a lot of things that just don't work for our new house. And we've got tons of stuff. And, and I think many of you who have ever been in my position where you've moved before, you've realized we have way too much stuff. And so our thought was, well, we'll move with it, and then we'll do a garage sale. Well, we, it's been six months, and we haven't had a garage sale yet, but we will soon. But we've sold some things. We've gotten rid of some things, and it's slowly starting to happen. But more and more, I am very reminded uh, that we just love possessions, and we have possessions, and we care for these things. But I want to tell you one thing today. Uh, if you're like me, you probably have a house full of things, and it may not necessarily be a garage full, but you have things that maybe you care about, that you cherish, but ultimately this life is not about obtain, obtaining things, obtaining possessions. Um, possessions don't go with you when you die. And this life that we live uh, is not about obtaining certain things. It, it should be far greater than that because those things don't go with you when you die. Those things don't, Go on, and, and I, I've been to many estate sales, okay? Listen, when a person has a, a love of possessions, the last place they should be is at, a, is at an estate sale because that's where you can get some possessions at a, at a, at a great price. But I do love going to, uh, to uh, estate sales because I just love things. I love uh, nostalgia. I love vintage. I love antiques. That's something that my grandparents instilled in me. My, my grandmother was an antiques dealer, and so I just was always around antiques. And so I, 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 you know, the Antiques Roadshow was a common TV show that I was stuck watching as a, at a young age. But 
Um, so I, I enjoy older things. And so even going to estate sales, I like to just go and look. A lot of times I don't buy. That's very true, right? We don't buy. Sometimes we just go and look. Um, but I'll tell you what, when I walk through a house, it is sometimes, sometimes it's depressing because you look around and you see all the things that were once somebody's possessions are now worth pennies on the dollar. I've gone through and I've, I've flipped through people's uh, wedding photos from the 20s. And you think, man, doesn't anybody want this? I've overheard people say, I can't believe the family doesn't want this. I can't believe that people that are kin to them don't want these things. And yet they're the ones that are you know, being sold potentially or just even given away because nobody even wants to buy them at the end of this estate sale. And that's really what our houses are filled with right now. They're things that are going to be 50% off one day or potentially gonna be on the shelf in a goodwill because nobody wants them. But yet we hold on tight to them. And I wanna tell you that there are so many greater things to be able to possess in this life and to be able to be a part of in this life. And, and, and we have a love of money and that's just kind of how things are. I don't know why it is that way, but we love money. We love to obtain it. We love to spend it. We love to hang on to it. We love to save it. We love to hoard it. We are greedy people. One thing that we've been talking about at Anchor Church in the course of 2018, 2016, can you, I almost said that, 2018 is that it is not about us. 2018 is the year that is not about us at Anchor Church. I want something so much more for you in, in 2018 than for, for you to live this life that is just focused on self, all right? And I have this definition of greed that is on the screen. It's not my definition. Andy Stanley has uh, he's a pastor in Atlanta, and he has, he has spoke on these things uh, for, for a long time, and he has this definition of greed. It's the assumption that it's all for my consumption. It's kind of fun because it rhymes. It's the assumption that all, that all is for my consumption. So it's this idea that, that in our greed, in our want for many, many things, in our want for stuff, in our want for items and material things, even money, that when we have it, that it's for my consumption, that when I have this thing, when I own this stuff, it's for me. When I am giving my, getting, when I have earned my paycheck, that it is all for me. It's the assumption that it's all for my consumption. And I wanna tell you today that it may not necessarily be that way. It may not necessarily be that way. Uh, I, I, in, since I saw you last, last Sunday, I have driven almost 3,000 miles. That seems crazy to even be able to say that, but I, I took a group of seniors from Altamont Christian School up to the Pigeon Forge Gatlinburg area, and we drove all around up in that area. And, and, and I'll tell you what, when I planned that trip three weeks ago, whitewater rafting, zip line, it was like 75 degrees up there, no big deal. Listen, it snowed two of the four days that we were up there. We went whitewater rafting when it was 35 degrees outside, okay? We had a blast. That's when you have the awkward silence and wait for the laugh to rumble in. Yeah, that, it, we had a blast. But I'll tell you what, it was good. And then after that trip, after we came back from Gatlinburg, we decided it would be a great idea to say yes to a church and go and join them for a special um, uh, service that they had for church planners in Florida. And we went down to Miami. So we went, not only did we drive up to Gatlinburg and back you know, from Sunday to Thursday, we decided on Friday, yeah, let's go down to Miami. So on Friday morning, I drove down to Miami and then I drove back yesterday and we spent some time down there. And I'll tell you what, we were blessed down there. And it was really cool to spend time with them and, um, and, and get to be encouraged by another church. And that was a fun thing. But I have driven 3,000 miles uh, roughly since I saw you last. 
And, uh, and when you're driving around in the mountains, and I'll tell you first thing with my wife, she does not like driving, she does not like driving in the mountains, but we stayed in a, in, a, in a house that was on the top of one of these mountains. And I don't know if you've ever rented a cabin up in one of these mountains before. You start going up and down these, these windy roads uh, that were built by Billy Bob, and, um, and, and, and it's, a good, it's a good journey up if you're like me, but if you're my wife, she's terrified. She doesn't like going on those roads. Uh, one of the things that's missing from those roads outside of a second lane, because they're usually only one lane, is a guardrail. Yeah, exactly, is a guardrail. And when Andy Stanley talks about greed and he talks about consumption and different things, he talks about guardrails. And I wanna share something with you that changed my life many years ago that Andy Stanley taught in a, in a Bible study in a small group, which is why we're big on small groups at Anchor Church, is, um, is the idea of guardrails in regards to our finances, in regards to our finances. When you think about a guardrail, guardrail is, is in the safe zone, right? If you see one on the side of the road, it's in the safe zone, and it is there to protect you from something potentially extremely dangerous, right? Uh, on the side of a mountain, if there's a guardrail there, it's on the side of the mountain that if you hit it, it will actually protect you from going over the edge. It's there to keep you in line. And in our finances and in our lives, just with many different aspects of our lives, we need to hold tight to our guardrails and understand that we need to live within margin. We, there's a certain margin there of error that we should put into our lives that I wanna encourage you to put into your lives today. In my finances, I created and I established guardrails. I put margins up. And, 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 it, and, it, and it changed my life in a way where, for me, when we think about the way that we live our life, a lot of the times we want to put our living money out front, right? I, I, when I get my paycheck, I'm gonna spend my money and I'm gonna live my life the way that I, the way that I do. It's all about me. I'm gonna let me be me and I'm gonna spend my money. And then um, after that, you know what, I need to set aside some for later, so I'm gonna save. And then after that, whatever's left, I'm gonna give. So I have these separate banks in my life where I'm going to spend my money, and then if I have any left over, I'm gonna save some, and then after that, I'll be able to give some. And so that's kind of the, the role and the mentality that we live in. And so to be able to put guardrails in your life is to be able to protect you from this because so many times with this just natural, natural way that we have, we are consumers and we consume so many things. My garage is a perfect example of how much we like to consume. If you went in there today, you have to high step through there like Deion Sanders. Some of you know who he is, some of you don't. But that's, that's the reality of my garage right now because I'm a consumer. And for, my, for most of my life, I was earning money and putting it into my living. And then I was then saving some, and then whatever was left, I was giving. And that's the life that we live. That's the normal life of, of, of the world that we live in. But I'm telling you, Jesus has so much more for you in this idea of greed, that this thing is, everything I earn is for my consumption is not the way that Jesus has intended for it for us. And so what I wanna do is I wanna be able to share a little bit from scripture today that would encourage you to change your perspective and allow for margin to be in your life. And I'll explain that here in a moment, but let's go to Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter six. 
This is um, titled God and Possessions. Matthew chapter six, verse 19, it says this. Do not collect for yourselves treasure on earth. I mean, those are the possessions that we've been talking about, right? Do not collect for yourselves the, the treasures on earth or the possessions on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, right? I don't know if anybody's ever been stolen from, but it is the worst feeling ever. Something that has, was yours, that you owned, that was possession to you, was stolen from you. It's one of the worst feelings. But, but collect for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor dust destroys or rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal for your, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Let me tell you this right now, that wherever you spend your money, wherever you are collecting money, wherever you are giving money, wherever you are hoarding possessions and money, that's really where your treasure is. It's, an ex it's a reflection of what you really uh, what you really uh, possess or what you really, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what you cherish. Yeah, thank you for whoever said that. But it's what you cherish. Wherever you are spending your money or wherever you are hoarding and collecting and, and potentially giving, that's what you cherish. Let that sink in for a second. Verse 22, the eye is the, uh, is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? In verse 24, no one can be a slave of two masters, neither, uh, since either he will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and of money. So this whole idea of being slaves to two masters, it's very simple that a lot of times we have uh, in our life, we have one thing that we care about and we cherish and that is money. And the other thing that we love and we care about as Christians is God. But what Jesus is telling us in this, in this, in this passage is that we can't be a slave to two masters. You can't love God and you can't love money at the same time. And, and what I wanna be able to do to you today is to be able to give you permission to break free from your love of money and of possessions. It's something I went through a couple years ago when I was going through this Bible study and it changed my life. God is telling us that it has to be something different. There's gotta be a different way for you to live. There's gotta be an opposite way for you to be able to understand how to live. Because if you are to trust God, and trust his way, it's different than trusting in money and trusting of the possessions that we potentially can obtain and earn. There's gotta be a different way. So when you pull out your, your dollar that today that you received when you got a worship guide, everybody pull it out. Everybody got one. You can pull this thing out. Don't be ashamed of this. He's talking about money. On the back side right here, you flip your $1 over. On the back side, there are four words above the word one. Yeah, can you guys say them with me? Ready? One, two, three. In God we trust, right? In God we trust. In the United States of America, on our currency, in all currencies, it says that in God we trust. But so often, this is the last thing that we trust God with, right? Right? It's the last thing that we trust God with is our finances and our money. And so I gave this to you today. This is not from the church. This is from me. I went to church. The church gave me money. It was the opposite of what I thought. And that was the best day ever. <laughs> they didn't want my money. They gave me money. 
But also, just so you know, that it, this, this came from, because this is how important I think that this is. Actually, this came from my kids. I'll tell you that right now. We went down to Miami, and, um, and, and this church blessed us, blessed the kids, made amazing. They, they had them sit right there on the edge of the, of, the, of the stage, and they put out these baskets, and they told the kids to hold the baskets, and they said, just hold these baskets. That's all you have to do. So the kids sat down. They were so excited. They didn't know what was gonna happen. And, um, and then all of a sudden, the pastor said, here, I'm gonna put down my first one, and he put a $20 bill in to each of the kids' baskets, and he said, okay, church, you come and do your thing. And all of a sudden, everybody stood up and they started walking forward and they started putting all these dollars in our kids' baskets. At the end of the day, the kids, each of them got $185. How cool was that? They had never seen something like that before. And so I took all their money <laughs> and I'm giving it to you today. No, I, 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 did, I, did, do, I did do an exchange. We, we did an exchange because they had all these dollar bills. But one of the things that I wanna be able to teach my kids, because right now, it was a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, they, they've, gotten, they've earned some money. They do chores around the house, and so I've given them some money before, and they get money from, from grandparents and different things, and it's floating all around the house. And I'm like, I told my wife, I said, they don't, they don't understand what money is, really, and they need to learn the difference. And so... I, want, I, want, I bought these for them. This is for them. With the $185 that they got on Friday night, we're going to instill this into their bedrooms, install this into their bedrooms and instill this into their lives, and this is what's going to happen. We're gonna teach them how to create margin or create the guardrails in their life and to understand that we can trust God with our money. We can trust God with our finances. And at the end of... Um, chapter six in, in Matthew chapter six, it says this. Jesus says, uh, in, instead of being a slave of two masters, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. So you don't necessarily have to worry about finances. Don't worry about what potentially might come your way. And, and for some of you, that may be a difficult thing because you, you live from paycheck to paycheck or even less than that. But God says, listen, seek first the kingdom of God. And it's important for us to be able to look at the kingdom of God and understand the kingdom of God because when we look at the kingdom, when we think about kingdom, and even when the disciples, we talked about this a little bit last week with Peter and uh, the rest of the disciples. When Peter got out of the boat, it was almost like he was kind of showing off and the rest of the disciples were like, oh man, who's this guy here walking on water? James and John, they wanted to sit at the right and the left-hand side of, of Jesus. And we see that in Matthew chapter 20. I think we have it here on the screen that we can share with you. In, in Matthew chapter 20, uh, in verse 20, it says this. The mother of Zebedee's sons approached him and said within her sons, and she knelt down to ask him, Jesus, for something. And Jesus said, what do you want? And she said, promise, she said that these two sons of mine may sit, one on the right and one on the left in your kingdom. So not only did James and John want to sit at the right and left-hand side of Jesus' kingdom, you know, his mom, their mom got involved, you know? Hey, hey, my boys, give me, hey, let me, I got this, guys, you know? Mom, you know, how embarrassing that would be. But then Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? And they said, we are able. And he told them, you will indeed drink my cup, but sit 
at my right and my left is not mine to give. Instead, it belongs to those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the 10 disciples heard this, they became indigent with the, the two brothers. But Jesus called them over and said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles and, and, the, the, and how they dominate them. And the men of high position exercise power over them. It must not be like that among you. And so basically what he's saying is, is you know how the kingdoms work, right? When we think about a king and a queen sitting on their throne and how the, there are certain people sitting at their right and at their left, you know how the system works. The same system that we, we are similar, that's similar to us even with the government, right? There is, a, there is a ruler and there are certain people sitting at the right and the left. You know how that system works, that they get certain favors as a result of being next to the king, and they're like, exactly, Jesus. That's why we want to sit at your right and your left. Let us be a part of that. And he said, that's not how it's going to be with you. Or he also said in a different translation, not so with you. That's not how it's going to be with you. That's not how it's going to be with us. And he says this. He says, um, it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must also be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. John three sixteen, one of the most popular and famous verses in all of Christianese. For God so loved the world that he gave. So what Jesus is laying down with a major sledgehammer right now is that the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom in which we all understand. Even to this day with our government and with the way that the kingdoms worked in that day, there were special privileges among kings, but Jesus was not that way. He did not come to be served, but to serve, and he came to give. So the kingdom of God is opposite of the kingdom that we know. So in order for us to be Christians that are following after Christ and understand what the, what the relationship with him is all about and understand what this world is all about, it is going to be opposite. So instead of I'm going to live off of the money that I earned, we have to completely make it opposite of the way that, that we see. And actually, you guys should see it this way. I'm seeing it differently, right? But it should be this way because this is we go right to left. And I'm, you know, but anyway, okay, so this is how it should be. But Jesus says, instead of living off of what you, off of the first, you should be giving off the first. The kingdom is reversed. The way, if you're gonna live the way that Jesus lives, if you're gonna partake about the kingdom of God, the way that I in, intend, for God so loved the world that he gave, you need to flip the script and understand that in the first part of your finances, you give. And after you give a certain percentage, you then save. And then after you give and then save, you live off the rest. You give, you save, you live. And we see that time and time again. We see that in, in, in scripture. And this is what Jesus is, is, is commanding in his disciples when he says that the kingdom of God is different. This is absolute opposite of the way that we think. And when I went through this Bible study, when I was a part of this uh, series where I was learning about what installing guardrails in my life in regards to finances was all about, it was this same principle that we need to be able to learn how to give, learn how to save, and then live off the rest. 
And so now, in my life, and this started probably about seven years ago, whenever I get paid, I, this is, the, this is the, the beauty of automated just computers and stuff, right? Like all the computer nerds out there, like computers and stuff, that's the best you could come up with. Yeah, computers and stuff is that when I get paid, the very first thing that happens is that money on that same day gets transferred from my bank account to the church. A certain percentage immediately goes without even me thinking about it, without even me being able to stop and say, well, it's been a tough week, so no. The first of what I get goes to the church. And I give to other things as well. And you can give to other things as well. Listen, the church doesn't need your money. This is something that we want for you. It's not something we want from you. It's something that we want for you. I would love for you to be able to understand this principle. That if you give of your finances, certain you decide, 1%, 10%, 45%, whatever it is, give first, save second, live off the rest. And so we give immediately. Money comes in, money goes out. Immediately it goes into the church. I also have like three other bank accounts that money automatically goes into those as well. And so money, whenever I get paid, immediately goes from one bank account into three other bank accounts and it goes into different savings. I have college savings for my kids and I have savings for retirement for my wife and I and I have another side retirement, another side savings that we just use as, as extra just in case we need an emergency fund. I'm, I'm talking immediately. That money never hits my, I never see that money in my account. It's immediately gone. It's gone. And then... We live on what's, whatever's left. And I'm telling you, if you can somehow and put this into your practice and into your finances, it will change your life. And I will tell you first and foremost how it changed my life. The, the way that it changed my life is my wife and I, when we first got married, she had a job, I had a job, we had no kids, and we were living in an apartment that was very, very cheap. And we had good paying jobs. It was before ministry, okay? <laughs> We had very, I mean, between the two of us, we had a very good paycheck and we had nowhere else to spend it other than ourselves. And we were doing that. And I'm telling you, every two weeks, it was like paycheck to paycheck. And I look back and I think, you 24 little idiot, 24-year-old little idiot, how could you do that? But it was because we live on margin. I had no guardrail there to protect my finances. And so we were just spending and spending and spending until it was like, oh no, we gotta wait until the paycheck. Paycheck came in, spend, 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 spend. Oh no, paycheck, spend, 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 spend. And then we got a job where we were up here and we were in ministry and she wasn't working right away and we bought a house, we were renting, we were spending more than we were just on living costs. We didn't have kids yet, but we were spending more on living costs and we were earning less and it was, we were still fine, we were still eating Still eating out way too much, but it was still paycheck to paycheck, right? Then we had kids. And in that moment was when I realized that our guardrail needed to be put up. And so when my son was born, I started saving away towards college and I started sending money away towards his 529. And I started sending money a little bit over here. And we actually started, we didn't, like we were in ministry and we weren't tithing as consistently because we don't write checks. Like we're of a generation that doesn't carry a checkbook around. 
And so we would forget. We'd come to church and like, oh, I forgot the check. We'll make up next week, and then we never made up. I mean, that was a reality because that happens. And so we put up these guardrails, and immediately I started sending this money to the church. I started sending money to this account. I started, and you know what happened? We still were living within this market. I put up a rail. Instead of it just being freelance just all over the place, we put up this guardrail, and we were sending money in certain areas, and we were still living within the same means that we were before. But this time, we were sending money to the church and giving it away. We were sending money and saving it, and then we were living on the rest. It didn't change anything. And I'm telling you, if you install this and instill this into your life, it will change your life. Because when we seek first the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God looks like this. Give, save, live on the rest. Give, save, live on the rest. So if we're really going to trust God with our finances, I mean, it says so on our money, in God we trust, then seek first the kingdom of God. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.